the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Clark Hilton is engineering today's program. James Blind is producing. How you doing, Clark? You doing all right? All right. Well, good to know. Well, today is a fun Friday, as we have come to call it, mainly because of the alliteration. We try to focus on some of the lighter side of the news, because during the week, Monday through Thursday, we deal with more serious issues and deviate just a bit for a Friday afternoon as we make our way into the weekend. And this, of course, being the weekend where we celebrate mothers. So I hope uh, those of you who are listening and happen to be mothers have a blessed weekend. Well, as we uh, work our way into some of the lighter side of the news, I noted a uh, A New Jersey teenager uh, arrived at her high school prom in a hearse and a coffin. And I mentioned last weekend that my nephew was going to the prom last Saturday. It was his first. I don't even know if they had a junior prom, but this was By the way, I was curious about that. I forgot to ask. Did you show up and stalk him and everything else? Was it... uh... I did show up by invitation. Yeah. And I did in my uh, acceptance of that invitation uh, say that I was going to behave myself, which I did. Okay. Uh, It was really very sweet. We went to uh, my nephew's house. And uh, his date and her family were also there, so we had an opportunity to take probably 150 to 200 pictures. I, I sort of felt for them when I was just about at 97 of the <laughs> of the pictures because the two wow. of them are standing there, and almost every picture is exactly the same. You just, you know, he's in a tuxedo, she's in a beautiful lengthy gown, and they're planning to go to their prom. Uh, took a lot of pictures and uh, didn't embarrass him too much, and. He went on his way, and he had a great time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he has three buddies that he's known, I think, since elementary school. They went through middle school together, and the three of them and their three dates hung out and had a great great time. So one milestone down, another one yet to come. So we're weeks away from the end of the school year, and the end of his high school um, will follow. So it was a great time, but he did show up as a normal person, unlike this... uh, a girl from New Jersey who decided she wanted to make quite an entrance. Well, this uh, teenage girl took her grand entrance at the prom to a whole new level. Her name is Megan Flaherty. She was a student at, let's see, Pensacon High School. She decided not to rent a limo or a fancy car for her big night. Instead, this 17-year-old arrived in a wooden coffin complete with her own hearse. I don't really get it unless she was trying to make the point she was drop-dead gorgeous. I I don't get it. But in a video that was shared online, uh, her date and family friend um, were there to to greet her. Uh, They're seen opening the back of the hearse, sliding the casket out uh, as the students anxiously wait to see who is inside. And she emerges from the coffin. It's like a Lady Gaga thing or something. Is it? Wow. Um, the drop-dead gorgeous teen, she steps out in a dazzling blue dress as students cheer and scream. I guess it's a big deal to come up with something unusual, even if it's unusual and peculiar and a bit maudlin all at the same time. She says of herself, I like being different, which a lot of kids say when they're just like all the other kids. But she likes being different. 
Um, I made sure my prom date was okay with it ahead of time, which was a good thing. Well, the teen said she wanted to show up to her prom in a coffin because she hopes to become a funeral director after graduating college. And I hope she won't be disappointed to learn that she doesn't actually go into the coffins. Those are reserved for other people. So be, <laughs> wanting to go into the funeral industry Well, it all makes sense now, love. doesn't it? No. Okay. No, it really doesn't. Um, her mom, Susan, said about her daughter's career aspirations, she just really took to it, apparently being a funeral director. She thought it was an honorable thing and an honorable way to make a living, and it certainly is. Well, Flaherty's older brother also took the hearse to his high school prom but didn't pop out of a coffin, so she wanted to take it a step further. And apparently it runs in the family. I don't know where they get the access to the hearse and the coffins and all of that, but my guess is perhaps someone in the family is already involved in the industry. So when your little girl, who's now only three, decides it's time for her to go to a prom, you might want to keep that in mind. In the back of your mind, you know, how do you want to make a unique entrance? Well, I remember back in 2017, many years ago, a story about a girl who arrived in a coffin, having been transported. In the back of a hearse. Yeah, in the back of a hearse. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, a uh, woman visiting Arkansas Crater uh, of Diamonds State Park, I guess that's the name of the park, Arkansas Crater of Diamonds State Park, said she found a 2.65 carat diamond after less than 10 minutes of searching. Wow, let's, let's do a remote program there. Oklahoma resident Victoria Brodsky, she's 25, said she decided to visit the park for her birthday after hearing about a 7.44 uh, carat diamond discovered at the park back in March. Well, she and her family entered the park at about 9 a.m. on Saturday, and after less than 10 minutes, she had picked up what she initially believed to be a pretty piece of glass by a a culvert near the mine entrance. Well, she said it wasn't until she was looking at photos of diamonds at the park's Diamond uh, Discovery Center a few hours later that she realized her find may not have been glass. I mean, if you're on a diamond Uh, park and you find something that looks like glass, I would probably assume it's a diamond. I was looking at pictures, she said, and there you had it. Well, park staff were able to confirm that she had, in fact, found a rock. It was brown, a a brown diamond. Uh, Ms. Uh, Brodsky was searching where uh, running water was depositing lots of gravel in the plowed field. According to staff, diamonds are a bit heavy for this, uh, for their size, so they often are found near other heavy rocks and minerals. And sometimes on the top. Well, her diamond is one of the more beautiful brown diamonds I've ever seen, again, says the park worker. It's about the size of a bead with a dark brown color like a raw, uh, like raw honey. It has a smooth, rounded surface, appears free of blemishes inside and out. So one reason she probably wasn't sure what it was is because it was a brown diamond. Obrowski dubbed her diamond the second largest found at the park so far this year, the Michelangelo Diamond. Uh, reference to her family's use of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as co-words. When I learned that I had found a diamond, I called my mom and said, Michelangelo. And her mom apparently knew what she meant by it. (laughs) Well, officials at a Montana high school ushered a a mother duck and her ducklings through the hallways of a school to reach a creek in front of their building. So apparently they didn't want to go the long way. They walked right into the school and out again. A video was posted on YouTube by Viral Hog, and it shows the mother leading her Family of little ducklings on Monday through the halls of Bozeman High School under the guidance of some teachers and, of course, the mother duck. The filmer said the mother lays her eggs in the courtyard behind the school each year, then parades the ducklings through the building in the in the spring to reach the creek on the other side. So it's pretty predictable and expected. Each year, a mother duck lays her eggs in the Bozeman High School courtyard. When the eggs hatch, she knocks on the door with her bill until the doors are opened. 
and she leads her ducklings to the Mandeville Creek in the front of the school. The filmmaker wrote, I have a 2014 video of the same thing, but the quality isn't quite as good. Well, the ducks aren't the only animals to grace the hallowed halls of Bozeman High School. Authorities were called to the school in October of 2015 to remove a black bear that had wandered into the building before the start of classes on a school day. So <laughs> apparently he's... Uh, a word on the street is you can just walk into the school at uh, at will and didn't work out quite as uh, as well for him. But for the mother duckling, she got to where she needed to go. There you go. Well, a cougar has been spotted a little bit closer by. We'll tell you about it when we come back from the break. It's I saw some Oregon. pictures. Yeah. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 18 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Clark Hilton, he's here too. Well, a cougar has been spotted near Sweetbriar Elementary School in Troutdale. Yeah. Have you seen the pictures? This I is have. a big, full-grown uh, cat. It's, it's sort a of big surprising. old cat. Yeah. I know that they're here. You just never see them, and you don't hear much about them. So seeing a picture of one in a populated area is a bit sobering. Well, the picture was taken on Sunday morning. There have been uh, no sightings since then, according to the Oregon State Trooper, who's been patrolling the area all week looking for the big wildcat. Well, the trooper said he wasn't sure if it's uh, a male or a female. I'm not sure what difference that might make, but it, it probably does. Uh, but that it certainly is a full-grown cat. And if it's uh, still in the area, it could be a threat to people. Well, that includes children at nearby schools. Children were out playing on Friday, but the school district says that they had extra eyes on all of them. They plan to notify parents in a newsletter. Well, as for the picture that's now getting a lot of attention, it was taken uh, by a resident, uh, Mariella Marquise. Her father first spotted it Sunday morning prowling through uh, their property. Uh, she took the picture from uh, the safety of the living room from inside uh, through a window. It was uh, crossing the southeast Evans Street, if you're familiar with that area. After she took the picture, the cougar jumped the neighbor's uh, front fence with ease and was gone. If you spot the cougar, uh, you are instructed to call the uh, Troutdale Police Department right away because they want to make sure the public is uh, is safe. I oftentimes, if I were to describe the only recurring dream I still have, it is uh, being um, stalked by a big cat. It's not really? always one particular kind of cat. I don't have the, um, the dream of missing a test in school anymore, but I do have uh, the big cat dream. I'm sure somebody somewhere... Of that panther coming out of the trees? <laughs> yeah, I, I do have that dream. I'm not terrified when I wake up or anything, but I just know that's a dream that I still have and have had since I was a kid. Hmm. I think once that uh, kitty cat jumped in my lap, and I think that did it. They're all wow. the same. All of them wow. are the same. Well, a Florida aquarium said a tiny seahorse initially mistaken for a Cheeto snack... <laughs> Uh, when oh, it was dropped no. at a little girl's feet by a seagull, is now recovering. Uh, the Clearwater Marine Aquarium said the little girl um, visiting Indian Shores Beach with her mother spotted a seagull dropping what appeared to be a Cheeto nearby, and she decided to investigate. Well, she quickly realized that that Cheeto was actually a tiny orange seahorse, which she and her mother rescued by putting it in a bucket and contacting the aquarium. Now, how many of us would have done that? The aquarium was uh, dubbed the female seahorse Cheeto in honor of the little girl that rescued the thing and said that the uh, seahorse started eating grass shrimp after a few days of rehabilitation. Not sure what you do to rehab a, um, 
a little seahorse, but officials said the seahorse is growing stronger, will eventually be released back into the wild. And although initially it appeared uh, appeared rather very orange, Cheeto now has uh, taken on a bright yellow color, which apparently is its natural color. Color change is common in some seahorses, which have the ability known as uh, crypsis to camouflage and match their surroundings. So I'm not sure what it was trying to match when it uh, was dropped to the ground and became a bright orange color. But nonetheless, Cheeto can be viewed in real time on the aquarium's Cheeto Cam uh, until her release. Uh, Dr. David Yates, the aquarium CEO, said each creature is important to us, and we're fortunate to have the opportunity to rehabilitate uh, rehabilitate rather Cheeto the seahorse. It's kind of a cool story. Yeah. Well, for, for um, the little girl or anyone to have seen that happen was yeah. uh, pretty yeah. amazing. You might recall, it's been a couple of weeks ago that I mentioned I was driving with a friend from work here, and we were on I-205, I believe, heading uh, heading south, and suddenly a spider started to dangle in front of me, and I oh, yes. clearly panicked, and I did manage to make my way over to the side of the road, but uh, didn't find the spider until much later. In fact, <laughs> it was days later I actually found the spider and was able to um, remove the threat. But a driver in Michigan <laughs> said a spider threat. in, <laughs> oh yeah, spider, definitely a threat. <laughs> Although I don't have dreams about that. A driver in Michigan said a spider in his vehicle caused him to drive off the road and crash. That must have been a big spider. Well, I'm not so sure. Uh, the county sheriff's office shared a photo of the scene of the crash that occurred when a 26-year-old man who was uh, much less experienced than myself caused his GMC Envoy SUV to roll over after spotting a spider near his head. There's just something about you're driving along and you don't see the spider. You're not focused on it. You're you're seeing just sort of the, it's not a shadow, but you see the blurry image falling towards your, and there's something about it just kind of freaks you out. You're driving, you're looking ahead at the road and other cars, and suddenly you see something drop and you have no idea initially what it is. So it's really very creepy. But the driver stated that he was um, distracted by the spider uh, on the visor above his head because nobody wants the spider to somehow drop into their hair and you lose track of it or onto them and you don't know what it's doing, laying eggs or whatever they do. Oh. Well, after noticing the spider, the man veered to the side of the road and rolled down into a ditch thoroughly uh, <laughs> uh, shaking up his passenger. He went through heavy brush before landing against some trees, which was fortunate. The driver wasn't injured in the crash, but a 29-year-old female passenger sustained a wrist injury that was treated at the scene. And the spider walked away unharmed. Probably. How does an insurance company handle something like that? Would that be considered an act of God? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Mm. Spiders are not required to have insurance, so that's a very good question. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, he wrecked his car. Yes. He injured somebody. I mean, they're going to have to work that out. Absolutely. I I don't know. That's Mm. a very good question. There's a State Farm commercial. I think it's a State Farm commercial in which they reenact events that supposedly actually occurred one of them was a couple they're sitting in their car and they're watching the waves on a you know they're at a safe distance but suddenly a sneaker wave a huge wave comes up over the car and fills it with water and there's an octopus in the car and they open the door and the octopus ends up out of the car now is it true or not but and the little girl finds them and uh... at the end of the commercial the uh, commentator says we know this happened because and they give a date and a location where it Huh. Suppose I mean, it could be entirely fiction, but strange things happen. And the question is, what does the insurance company do? It's a very good question, Clark. I think his rates are going up is what's going to happen. I'm guessing so. <clears throat> I'm just grateful that I was able to 
hold it together enough to pull over and not injure my passenger. Um, although I can't say how so was much your for passenger during this ordeal. Uh, they were freaking out a little bit, but only because I was. <laughs> I was. You're in the car with Arlene, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I can just pretty. picture that with the spider and the two of you. Yeah, oh. Well, she couldn't see the spider. You know, it's right in front of me, and so she she's not sure what I'm seeing. She just knows I'm going You're nuts. And I, out. Finally, <laughs> I finally tell her what the issue mm-hmm. is, but she's not seeing mm-hmm. it. So I'm sure she thought I was insane for at least three minutes before the car stopped. Anywho, uh, police in Virginia said a 200-pound black bear accidentally locked itself inside a resident's car and Uh-oh. honked the horn until it was freed. Pretty clever. Probably scratched up the car, too. Yeah, probably. Uh, the Roanoke County Police Department said that um, uh, the area resident, Ryan McClanahan, and his family woke up at about 5 a.m. It was on Thursday to the sound of their car, uh, their car horn blaring. Well, Officer Thayer responded to the call and discovered a 200-pound black bear had managed to get into the unlocked car uh, and closed itself in and couldn't get out. The baby bear uh, found some treats inside and caused minor damage to the vehicle, as you suggested. The police department said on its Facebook post, the officer was able to open the the back door and the little guy eventually found his way out, ran off into the woods. Now, the good news is there wasn't a mother bear nearby yeah. waiting to uh, to do something to whoever came close to her baby bear. But uh, good crime prevention tip from Officer Thayer, always lock your car doors. It's not just thieves that break into your cars. Obviously, there are other possibilities. Thank you, Officer Thayer. It was quite alarming, and we appreciate your swift, effective action, says Mary Beth, the wife in the couple, on the Facebook post comment. That would have been a very rude awakening if they had, uh, if the horn had not been honked, and they would yeah. have come out and, you know, sometimes the kids run ahead. You open the door with that, you know, at some distance. They open the door, and there's a, a bear inside. Of course, the bear would probably have been as frightened as the children would have been under those circumstances. Well, a visitor uh, to the Gulf Coast in Alabama captured video of a kayaker paddling for his life while being chased through the water by a rather large alligator. Shannon Collins posted a series of videos to Facebook showing the unknown man furiously paddling his kayak uh, toward the dock on Sunday in Spanish Fort while a large alligator swims toward him following from behind. Collins wrote in the video's description, when you really, really, really don't want to tip over your kayak, uh, Collins comment uh, said rather in the comment that the kayaker successfully escaped, so it does have a happy ending. She also wrote that the gator followed him until he docked and then stayed there by him until he loaded this kayak in the truck and left. He got a little uh, too close uh, to her babies, they think, and she wasn't letting him out of her sight. The gator was quite serious and hmm. uh, no one was harmed. In the filming of that uh, of that video, and then there's this, which I've now put on my list: do not go kayaking. A kayaker recording um, a footage of seals off the coast of Namibia captured the moment one of the animals jumped out of the water and hit him in the face. Oh! Uh, in the video, it shows the kayaker, and I've actually seen the video and other boaters paddling among a huge gathering of seals, which was probably a bad idea. The seals jump out of the water as the boaters pass, mostly managing to avoid collision. But one seal, however, who perhaps is nearsighted, apparently misjudged its trajectory and jumps out of the water and crashes directly into the filmer's face. <laughs> now, the filmer was shaken up, but not um, not injured. Just a warning. Don't uh, get too close and assume that they know what they're doing. 
you might end up getting hit in the face. Kayaking can be dangerous. <clears throat> yeah, it can be. My uh, wife and I uh, went kayaking once <clears throat> in Hawaii together uh, in a two-person boat, which the uh, kayak guide called the divorce boat. And Ooh. we discovered why, because people don't get along really well when it's two people paddling a kayak. Is it one in front of the other or yeah. you side to side? Yeah. Uh-huh. So anyway, we did that on our wedding anniversary. Too. Ooh. <laughs> But you managed to survive to your we next survived. wedding anniversary nobody this got, weekend. Nobody got upset. Well, I mean, yes, people got upset. No one got <laughs> no one got hurt. Uh, but I lost my wedding ring, and this was on our first year anniversary. Really? Yes, and it's it's somewhere on the beach on Oahu, I think, in Michelle Pfeiffer's backyard because we were in uh, the Lanikai area. area. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you didn't deliberately lose it when you no, lost it no, in the car. Okay, I, <laughs> just no. checking. <clears throat> no. Uh, so that was an all-around crazy day. You know, yeah. we didn't get along in the boat. I lost my wedding ring. And uh, <laughs> then I was told by several people, don't worry about it. It's not a bad omen. It happened to me, too. Yes, so. well, it's happened to me. So that's another there story. There you go. But fast forward 10 years, you're celebrating your 11th wedding anniversary. So all is Tomorrow, well. Tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations. Yes. We're going to take a quick break. 31 minutes after 4 o'clock is the time you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 35 minutes after 4 o'clock is uh, the time you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Clark Hilton is here as well. Well, an Arizona teenager loves Subway sandwiches. I mean, he really loves Subway sandwiches. And in How fact, much, Georgie? He loves them so much. He had his senior photos taken with the Subway sandwich. Really? Was yeah. that his date, too? You take a, a, <laughs> to the a tuna on white? With the... <laughs> That's a good question. I just love sandwiches to death. I think they're awesome. That's a direct quote from the young man. If you've ever got a chance to talk with him, you'll quickly realize Zach Sweeney, a senior at Prescott High School, is an 18-year-old with a big personality and most likely with a big sandwich. Uh, He loves life and, well, sandwiches, obviously, but photographer Chad Castellano says that's an understatement. Zach is really a great kid, and I love how he just is so relaxed in his own skin, enough to be able to just be himself in his senior photos. Not sure what his parents thought about it, but uh, not all kids or adults, for that matter, are comfortable enough to do these types of things. And I'm not sure it's being comfortable enough. Uh, and again, the parents who are paying for the pictures and will cherish them all the days of their lives, seeing him with a big Subway sandwich shoved in his mouth may not be quite as thrilled about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, well, Chad is the photographer behind the camera of the viral, whimsical photo uh, that everyone's uh, commenting on. Um, It's a series, in fact. Chad said the brains behind the sandwich shoot was Zach himself. The two were able to get the approval from the manager of a local Subway shop to shoot on a slow day. Not only are they Subway pictures where he's eating a sandwich, but he's actually taken his senior photos in a Subway restaurant. I wanted to be different and show my personality. I love my sandwiches, he said. So you got a senior in a coffin going to the prom. And yeah, I was going to say, how about that? At a uh, subway. At some point, an adult needs to step in and say, you know, you can love your sandwiches. We'll take a couple of uh, 
pictures of you eating them, but for your senior photo, maybe not so much. Another understatement in this story, the photos um, were a hit. Zach loves sandwiches. Well, Zach says he thought the photos were phenomenal, but he never thought they'd uh, get this much attention. And isn't that what it's all about? Getting just a modicum of attention, reaching national outlets like BuzzFeed on his community page and many others. I thought there was just going to be like family and friends looking at them, Zach said. It took off. And uh, don't worry, mom loved them too. Now I'm all over Twitter. Yay! Yeah. Well, the motivation behind the pictures was, uh, Zach said, to break the norm of everybody's usual senior photo, which seems to be the trend to try to break the norm of everyone else's senior photo so everyone else is different, so they're all the same in that they're all different. Uh, His message, stop with the cliche in the middle of the woods photo, just be yourself. Uh, You and I both know half of these people couldn't survive a day out in the woods, he said, that's my thing, be you. So he's eating a sandwich in his senior picture. Uh, Chad Echo, that's the photographer, his now favorite sandwich model's words, saying he thinks more seniors should be doing things like this for their photos. Chad will not be getting many parent, uh, calls from parents, I'm guessing, after a statement like that. Yeah. Um, a quote we have uh, come up with for this uh, is to be comfortable in your own skin and don't let anybody pose you, he said. Now Zach has some senior photos that... In 20 years, he can look back and remember who he was at that time and in that time. And, well, isn't that what senior photos should do? No, they should just be a depiction of what you look like. That's pretty much all they do. Unless, of course, you post them and they go viral. Well, the picture should represent who you are, Zach says. And apparently, Zach is a sandwich. He would have us believe they shouldn't be what the photographer wants you to look like. It should be what you are. Uh, Well, Zach says he's uh, super excited to graduate high school and speak at his uh, school's graduation. He was apparently bright. Next, he said he's headed to California to play football in college. Sounds like Jack, uh, Zach rather, has a bright future and a lot of sandwiches ahead of him. Wow. I just had a boring, you know, senior year. I took regular pictures. and Yeah, I did too. And there's something you can still things. look at. My parents don't have to see uh, a sandwich or a, I don't know. A... What happens if he's, he ends up being uh, gluten intolerant yeah. and he's got this picture? What is he going to do with that? Well, a YouTuber was, uh, uh, has attempted, rather, to recreate an infamous fast food order from a video game, Grand Theft Auto, totaling more than 9,000 calories. Whoa! Matt Stoney, who shares various food-eating challenges to his YouTube channel, attempted to eat all of Big Smoke's order from Grand Theft Auto San Andreas within an hour. Again, looking for his 15 minutes, the massive order from the 2004 video game became the obsession of posters on YouTube and the online forum Reddit, who attempted to decipher what exactly was included in the the character's order of two number nines, a number nine large, a number six with extra dip, a uh, a number seven, (laughs) two number 45s, one with cheese, and a large soda. So that's what the game actually says. Well, Stoney used a video from YouTube user Comrade Warbear uh, that matched each menu number with a corresponding item in the game's fictional fast food chain, Cluckin' Bell, uh, to purchase equivalent items from Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, Popeye's, and Wendy's. And this is, of course, in one sitting in one hour. So gluttony has been elevated to something of an entertainment. Uh, Comrade Warbear estimated the in-game order contained about 7,540 calories, but Stoney attempted to eat a variant containing 9,050 calories. I didn't do the challenge perfectly in line with what everyone uh, determined Big Smoke ordered for himself, Stoney said. Of course, Big Smoke being a fictitious character. I went with this variation due to the size 
uh, making it a great food challenge. Well, his version of the meal included a four buttermilk crispy chicken sandwich meals, including fries and a soda from McDonald's, one five-piece chicken wing meal from Popeye's, a chicken wrap from Wendy's, and a deluxe chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. All in one sitting, all within an hour. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, Stoney successfully completed the challenge by consuming the massive meal in 34 minutes Oof. and 52 seconds. Oof. And the question remaining, why? Like you said, that 15 minutes, we just gave him about three. Yeah, was it really worth it? Mm. One, one wonders. Well, speaking of things one eats, an Australian man claims to have made an alarming discovery while eating an M&M chocolate bar, a dead cockroach. Well, Kyle Rosenwarn, you know, more of these stories I read and hear, the more I think I need to look carefully before I just, yeah, you know, dig into something. Uh, Kyle Rosenwarn from Melbourne was uh, uh, had eaten four pieces of the crispy mint flavored bar uh, bought from a supermarket there when he spotted the insect. He took a picture of the six legged intruder and posted it on Facebook saying I have messaged M&M's Australia several times them to call me regarding this, but they have failed to do so. Well, please share this to let your friends and family know to check their M&M's chocolate before they eat it, end quote. Well, a Mars Chocolate Australia spokesperson said, told the Daily Mail that the firm believed the cockroach found its way into the chocolate bar after the wrapper had been taken off. Uh, we immediately contacted him to request the product and also worked with an entomologist to conduct a preliminary review to determine the insect species and origin, the spokesperson said. This review has found the insect did not enter the packaging prior to being shipped from our manufacturing facility, as this insect does not occur in the region where the product was manufactured. Given each block of chocolate we manufacture undergoes 31 quality checks and safety tests and microbiological testing before it's packaged and chipped, it is extremely likely it entered the product packaging after it was opened. Well, Mr. Warzenwarn wasn't having uh, any of that, saying uh, <laughs> if it, if it uh, went in after I ate the initial four pieces, then when I went to have more, don't you think it would have crawled out as soon as I picked it up? And why would the thing have been dead? So the controversy continues of the uh, M&M's chocolate bar cockroach mystery. Yeah, you know I, what? I once had some. Uh, I got some chocolate covered crickets. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't eat them, but I got. I I think I kept the package of them. Did you buy them with the intent to eat them? No, it was some kind of thing that came out of uh, New Orleans. I think it was some radio show I, I was doing, and I ordered uh-huh. some, and and I I gave them away. I know crickets are a source of protein for a lot of people, and insects in general are. But, you know, depending on where you live and what you're used to, some things seem disgusting while other things seem quite appetizing. I know uh, in some places uh, in Asia, cheese and, for, you know, fermented things like that are disgusting. And yet yogurt and cheese are, are big deals to us. So I guess it's just to each his slash her own. Well, let's see. It's 45 minutes after 4 o'clock, so we need to take a quick break. But we'll be back. And when we come back, we'll let you know about the latest from United Airlines There's more? There's more. So stick around. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're we're back or something. 49 minutes after 4 o'clock is the time. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. 
And Clark Hilton is here as well. Well, uh, United Airlines passengers are being attacked by scorpions on United Airlines flights. Oh. The deadly insect apparently has uh, crawled out on a flight and forced the evacuation of the the, uh, passengers, rather, on United Airlines flight 1035. Well, they were delayed for several hours in Texas after reports of a scorpion crawling out of a passenger's clothing, which is somewhat puzzling. Passengers say... That the flight was evacuated on Thursday at George Bush Intercontinental Airport uh, in Houston following the Scorpion sighting. Now, notice it's a sighting in this early version of the uh, report. The flight, which uh, was headed to um, Ecuador, was delayed for three hours. Well, news of the Scorpion incident got out uh, when passengers started tweeting about the ordeal. Well, the captain of the flight just told uh, the passengers that the Scorpion uh, was on the plane um, and that uh, the delay would uh, occur until they could resolve the situation. Another passenger claimed on Twitter that the flight from Houston to Ecuador evacuated due to a scorpion stinging a passenger. United, however, said no one was actually stung by the scorpion. Uh, Houston to um, to Ecuador returned to the gate after a scorpion reportedly emerged from a customer's clothing. Um, paramedics at the gate immediately examined the customer and determined that he had not been stung. The customer declined further medical treatment, and as a precaution, a new aircraft was arranged. Uh, they provided passengers with a meal voucher due to the delay and the flight with the customers uh, aboard, uh, departing from their de- or, uh, for rather their destination shortly thereafter. It comes a month after a passenger on another flight out of Houston was stung by a scorpion when it fell on a man's head. Uh, from the overhead bin. The passenger, Richard Bell, was stung when he uh, picked the creature up after it landed uh, on his plate. Hmm. (laughs) Another passenger then stomped on the scorpion before it was thrown into, well, a watery receptacle. Uh. So how how do these things get on a flight? Uh, Apparently people are carrying it on with them. Yeah. But you need to be more thorough in checking your stuff, I suppose, when you're in an area that has them. And then there's this. Some burrowing badgers settled in and made tunnels under the only road that leads to a small British town, <laughs> triggering a rather large sinkhole and threatening to trap some people inside the village. For now, any cars or trucks wider than an average cement mixer truck can't travel along that road uh, until engineers can install a micro bridge, according to the East uh, Anglian Daily Times, the newspaper in the area. Still, folks in the seaside village can't kill the badgers, which reportedly are a protected species there. It also means drivers heading over the tunnels uh, would need to tread very carefully. People should be able to drive freely over the new bridge on Thursday once it's set up, according to the report. The badgers, uh, com- blissfully unaware of the trouble they've caused, are continuing to enjoy burrowing in the area. Who knew? Well, doctors in China said that they surgically removed two ballpoint pins from a man who swallowed them more than three decades ago. How do you swallow a ballpoint pin? Yeah. How do you swallow two? Yeah, you swallow one, you didn't learn a thing, and then yeah. next thing you know, you well, surgeons at the hospital in Suzhou, Jingshu province, you know, if you kind of pretend a little accent, it sounds like you know what you're saying, said the man surnamed Huang uh, told them that he swallowed the pins as part of a lost bet when he was 14 years old. That was 36 years ago. Wang told the doctors he forgot about swallowing the writing implements until February when they showed up on an x-ray during a body examination. So they have now been surgically removed, although apparently they didn't cause any trouble up until that very moment. So they just hung out in his stomach the whole time? 
it didn't seem like they went all the way into his stomach, but yeah, they just hung out somewhere in, because I saw the x-ray, it looked a little high for the stomach, but yes, and it didn't uh, prove to be an obstruction of any kind, that's very peculiar, but you could clearly see in the x-ray two fountain pens that (laughs) he had apparently swallowed 36 years ago. Well, this probably isn't big news, but Oreo has yet another flavor. Really? And the company is also asking fans for their dream Oreo creations. My dream Oreo would be the original, just in a regular bag at a reasonable cost. But um, is it possible that the cookie giant is finally running out of ideas? One might wonder when you hear these latest two. Well, Oreo is hoping this cookie will be fireworks in your mouth. Let me explain. At the center of the cookie, blue and red popping candies. You remember Pop Rocks? Yeah, yeah. So they've got blue and red pop candy or popping candy, and they're mixed with the cream, which you guessed it, tastes like fireworks in your mouth. So it's got that sulfury taste too? (laughs) Let's hope not, but at least the popping. Uh, The fireworks Mm. Oreo packages decked out with red, white, and blue pyrotechnics on front. Uh, hit the stores on the 8th of May, which was Monday of this week, and are a limited release. So you may want to, to hoard some up for the 4th of July if you decide you want to try that and want to have um, fireworks in your mouth. Um, but back to how you can potentially win a half a million dollars by coming up with some additional suggestions. Huh. Well, starting today through the 14th of July, you can submit your Oreo ideas on Instagram and Twitter using... Um, hashtag my Oreo creation, hashtag contest. Uh, in addition to the prize money, the winner will also see his or her creation in store shelves and get a trip to New York for the unprecedented VIP access to check out never before released Oreo creations and top secret prototypes in the Wonder Vault. Even the runners up will get $25,000 each, according to a spokesperson on uh, speaking to Today Food, the winner will be uh, decided based on fan voting. So they apparently will make known your suggestions and people will decide which sounds most appetizing to them. Now, to review, creations in recent years have included mocha, peeps, Swedish fish, chocolate strawberry. Wait a minute. They did Swedish fish? They did Swedish fish, oh. choco chip, cinnamon bun, fruity crisp, blueberry pie, strawberry shortcake, red velvet, pumpkin spice, s'mores, Filled cupcake and brownie batter, to name well, I didn't just know all a that. few. I know yeah. I've had the watermelon and the peeps, and they were both gross, but yeah. some of those actually sound pretty decent. Yeah, I don't know. Some direction and the uh, uh, and a pep talk offered by the company, and I'm quoting: "Now's the chance to share the favorite you've been waiting for, or a combo of flavors, or it could be a flavor inspired by a moment in your own life, or what about the flavors of your favorite holiday? What would those taste like in an Oreo creation?" End quote. So they're trying to encourage people to enter their uh, suggestions. If you think you have one of the uh, uh, suggestions that the Oreo folks might uh, find um, interesting, don't tell anybody, just enter. And again, you can go to hashtag my Oreo creation, hashtag contest. Lavender. Well, there you go. That actually might be, that's kind of an upscale taste. But wait, there's more. Oh. It's official. Oreo is now, rather, Oreo is now putting out new cookies faster than we can try them. There's now a waffles and syrup flavor. I'm just glad it's not chicken and waffles, but a yeah. waffles and syrup flavor. 
Just as uh, we're wrapping our heads around the new fireworks Oreo, here comes the waffles and syrup flavor. The cookies are exclusive to Albertson stores, so if they hmm. uh, make it uh, here to the West Coast, that's where you'll find them. The new cookies are just rolling out this week into stores. Uh, so far, they've been uh, tough to find. Uh, syrup-flavored foods can be really hit or miss, and they can easily veer too artificial. So a lot of people are anxious to see how this one turned out. The outside cookies are golden Oreos, which is not the chocolate, but the golden. And the cream appears to have dots of syrup in the center so that you take a bite and you taste the uh, syrup. Yeah, I got goodness. news for you. None of that stuff's real. It's all chemicals yeah, that really? taste like. Uh, yeah, they're not uh, going to Vermont and tapping trees yeah. to get this stuff. Well, the waffle and syrup release also means that this is one more idea that you can cross off your list of eligible entries for Oreo's new flavor creation contest. What about chicken and waffles? That's kind mm. of a popular thing. I've never had the combination, and it doesn't sound good to me, but I know it's very popular. Yeah, down in the south, isn't it? Uh, well, I know in California there are a couple oh, of restaurants, really? chicken and waffles, and I know yeah. now you can find it a few places here. It doesn't. Uh, it's not a combination that appeals to me, but... That's just me. I like the Oreos best that are the uh, the golden, like you said, the golden and vanilla. Uh-huh. Those are good. I just like the original <laughs> Oreo. I'm not too adventurous when it comes to them. Well, a love letter, and I'll, this will be interesting to you as you're about to celebrate your 11th wedding anniversary. A love letter lost in the walls of a New Jersey home reached a World War II veteran some 72 years after it was written. Melissa huh. Fahey and her father found the letter in a gap between the stairs while renovating their uh, Westfield home, the letter postmarked May of 1945 was written by a woman named Virginia to her husband, Rolf Kristoffsen. Um, her husband was a sailor at the time in the Norwegian Navy. I love you, Rolf, as I love the warm sun, she wrote. How very romantic. That is what you are to my life, the sun about which everything else revolves for me. Well, Fahey, uh, speaking uh, in New York, said that she could not believe the love and admiration Virginia had for her husband. It was really sweet to see the long-distance love, she said. She decided to find Christopherson and deliver the letter, turning to a Facebook page for help. Well, Facebook users located the couple's son in California hours after her post. The son read the letter to his 96-year-old father. Virginia had died six years ago this weekend. In a way, I guess it's his wife coming back and making her memory alive again. Wow. What a sweet story. What a story, yeah. Yeah. 72 years in the coming. In coming. Well, it's 5 o'clock. That means we've got news and traffic coming up here at the and top of the hour. And a quick siesta. Yeah. You have the blankets or the, <clears throat> I do. the pillows I do. in here? Okay. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back six minutes after five o'clock. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show, brought to you in part today by Zero Res. Clark Hilton is engineering today's program. James Blend is producing as we are anticipating celebrating mothers all across the fruited plain. We're glad to have you with us. Well, a house listing in Canada has gained some international attention due to the current resident's large collection of clown memorabilia. So uh, they decided to list the house. You know, normally when you put a house on the market, uh, you want to empty it of its contents or you stage it in a way that's most favorable. But this couple decided, no, we want our entire rather large clown collection to be present in all of the photos. Well, according to the creepy. realtor, it is pretty creepy. According to the realtor, he described the 748 square foot tiny house in Brantford, Ontario, as a charming brick bungalow. 
uh, that has been meticulously maintained for 30 years by a couple with an affinity for clowns. And I mean, there are clowns everywhere. There are clowns mm. in the chairs, on the mm. walls. It's just every. I'm sure the carpet has clowns somehow embedded in it. We're not clowning around at the price of $239,900, he wrote in the video tour of the house, which revealed hundreds of clown dolls, photos, statues lining the walls of the home. The realtor told the BBC there are multiple offerings lined up for the home, which garnered some extra attention for its curious decor. It was, and I don't think the house comes with the clowns, but I'm not sure. It was going to sell above asking price despite all this publicity, but now maybe we're going to get some extra out-of-town buyers coming in. The realtor went on to say, the massive clown collection definitely drove away some potential buyers, but the property's owners said that they requested the clowns remain. Uh, They wanted to make sure that whoever uh, takes the house after they're gone is apparently uh, comfortable with and favorable to clowns, whether or not they'll still be in the residence. The spirit of clowns will remain. odd. It is rather odd, but 30 years it's been filled with clowns. Send in the clowns, as the line says. Have you ever dreamed of getting paid to move abroad? Well, an Italian mayor wants to offer money to people who relocate to a tiny village in northwestern Italy. Okay. So if you're looking to retire, they're going to pay you to come and reside there. Under Mayor Daniela something in Italian, proposed plan, people who move to Bormida and rent or buy property will get two. Thousand euros, I guess is what it would be. That's about $2,176.70, according to The Guardian. The deal is not uh, yet finalized. The plan is meant to keep the village, uh, which 394 people call home, from losing its population. So the uh, mayor is, uh, or rather the town, is located some 50 miles from Genoa and is part of uh, that region. Well, as for the cost of living, monthly rent would be as cheap as about $54.42, a cents rather, and as high as $130.60 for something roomier. Can you imagine paying $130.60 for a roomier uh, residence in this uh, Italian town? We don't know what that residence looks like or where it is, but nonetheless, 130 point, you could go a long way on your retirement with that mm-hmm. kind of rent. Well, the housing plan is expected to be ready in approximately two months, Scaliano, the mayor said. In a May 4th Facebook post, which was has received nearly 2,000 comments, many of which expressed interest in the village. We're still working out the plan, but anyone is welcome to come and live here, a local counselor told the newspaper. We're a small community, but very welcoming. We're high, in, high up in the mountains, uh, uh, also not far from the sea. It's a healthy lifestyle. The air is very clean. About 1,000 people lived in that town in the 1950s, according to The Independent, But Italians have shifted to city life over the years. The village reportedly now includes four restaurants, a pharmacy, and a doctor who comes to town about three times a week. And you'd be living in Italy. I don't know if this is the part of Italy that's prone to earthquakes, but that may be another thing to look into. But Is the uh, part of Italy prone to good food? Well, it's in Italy, so (laughs) I'm I'm guessing that would be the case. Is it the northern side that eats more fish and everything, and then the uh, Sicilian yeah, I'm, side? Yeah, I'm not that's really more sure. You may be right. Uh, this is uh, close to about 50 miles from Genoa. So, if you know anything about the the map in Italy, that might give you some. Quickly, Google's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like I mean, if you were looking to retire, you didn't have any ties here. This would be a great deal. Spend your time making your way around. I'll talk to Lisa Italy. about this. Oh no, no, you're not free to go. <laughs> No, you have to stay here. Too many people love you here. This is when you're not connected any longer. You're an empty nester and all your old friends are gone. 
Uh, let's well, see. I guess that's been decided. <laughs> uh, the Swiss court was called in uh, when it came to naming a little girl. A family wanted to honor family members, um, but the judge said no. J is not okay. We're not talking about J-A-Y or J-A-E. We're talking about the letter J. It's not okay as a first name, according to the Swiss court. Well, the Zurich Administrative Court said in a ruling that was released earlier this week that it had upheld a local registry office's decision to reject the letter as a first name in the best interest of the child. Now, what we need here is some court that in the best interest of the child will tell particularly celebrities, no, if you really love the child, you will not give the child that name. You know, electrical court is not a first name. Uh, the court rejected the parents' argument that wanted to honor their daughter's great-grandparents, Joanna and Joseph, with the initial as a fourth first name, saying that they could have chosen that the already accepted Joe instead. Although the parents wanted to pronounce the name J, which I don't know why they didn't just spell it out J so they could have the name. The court noted the letter uh, is pronounced Yacht in German, creating confusion. Well, the court also said people would be inclined to put a period after the J as if it were an initial or an abbreviation. And uh, so they said no. So I am advocating that we establish something similar here in the United States to prevent particularly celebrities who are looking to have a little attention um, and name their children very odd and unusual and sometimes unpronounceable names. Always been partial to the letter Y. Well, you probably could get away with Why? that here. Because I care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you probably could. <clears throat> uh, sadly. Cool weather continuing here in the Portland metro area. Oh, so we're what happened? Up the week. Summer was great last uh, Monday. Yeah, we're moving into the weekend. <laughs> um, shower activity is ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, there's a core of cold air that's moving into the valley from the coast. It provides enough instability for isolated thunderstorms all through the night. Uh, um, high that's temperatures. what you like to hear, instability, which yeah. means thunderstorms, maybe some hail, Power outages. Yay, summertime. The high, the high temperature today uh. is about 59. Yeah. Uh, much like Thursday, the heavier showers could produce small hail today uh, as the evening approaches. Hail was reported in several areas on Thursday in Columbia and Yamhill counties. McMinnville set a 70-year-plus um, rainfall record for the day. Uh, that was Thursday when 0. .50 inches of rain fell. The previous record was point. Uh, rather, 0.41 inches, and that was way back in 1945. So they had a lot of rain in McMinnville. Saturday looks wet with plenty of showers, fewer chances for thunder. As the sun breaks, uh, maybe fewer, farther uh, farther between. So if you're looking to work in your yard, eh, you might have some uh, opportunities to do so, but not the whole day. Highs on Saturday will be about uh, 58, 5 to 10 degrees cooler than the average for this time of year. So we're still running a bit cooler. Sunday's... Uh, uh, rain chances are a bit less, but still expect showers with a few sun breaks and a high of near 60. So there you have it. When will it all end? Well, current models show that rain chances uh, well into next week. So we're not. It looks have like the Wednesday. We're going to start to dry out. That's what start I'm saying. Start to dry out. What do you mean? Well, I mean that's when the it'll be dry. We it'll won't have dry. rain, and okay. the uh, temperature will start going back up into the upper 60s. So. Well, hope springs eternal. No, really, that's that's what's supposed to happen by Wednesday. We'll see what they say on Tuesday. <laughs> I'm never quite sure until we uh, get fairly close. Uh, my husband, Dan Rice, works in the county courthouse here in Multnomah County. And uh, once a month, he decided some years back that he wanted to try to improve morale 
among his coworkers, and it was <laughs> at an all-time low. So he started publishing this email that he sent out, and it's simply called Cheer. And it reminds uh, coworkers to be respectful of one another, even when there are broad disagreements. And when we come back, I want to share with you something he wrote for um, one edition of the Cheer uh, note uh, that has to do with the blues and the rules for the blues. Some of us will be singing them with the weather being a bit uh, more moist than we like it about this time. So we'll be back and share that with you in just a few moments. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 18 minutes after 5 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, brought to you in part today by Toyota of Vancouver. It's a good day. Hey, I want to remind you that on Saturday next, not tomorrow, but Saturday next, May the 20th, 6 o'clock p.m. at New Hope Auditorium in Happy Valley. The Portland Singing Christmas Tree is bringing the hymn sing back. And it's a great, it's a great event. There are about 2,000 folks in the audience, about 150 plus voice choir, a few soloists. And together we uh, will uh, we'll sing through about two dozen, not quite that many, uh, of our favorite hymns. We're so looking forward to that. And for those of you who'd like to come a bit earlier and make a night of it, you can also take advantage of a chicken dinner that's offered beginning at about 4.30. Now, the chicken dinner is $10. You'll need to register and prepay for that. But the tickets for the hymn sing are free. You need to get tickets uh, for that as well so that we can manage the numbers and make sure there's plenty of uh, space. Uh, so call the Portland Singing Christmas Tree office at 503 503- Five five seven eight seven three three to get your free tickets or to uh, reserve your spot uh, at the uh, chicken dinner. That's ten dollars a plate. And again, that's five zero three five five seven eight seven three three. And a free will offering will be taken. That will help to uh, cover the cost. It's just a wonderful time of worship and fellowship. So uh, plan to join us on Saturday, May the twentieth. 6 o'clock p.m., New Hope Auditorium, or for dinner at 4.30, featuring Portland Singing Christmas Tree Choir, Timothy Greenwich, Coral Walterman, Aaron uh, Tamblin, and, well, I get a chance to sing a song as well, and you. That's coming up next Saturday. And I want to mention that we have uh, great listener savings for school tuitions, and that has been extended. If you want to give your child a rich, Christ-centered education, we have great resources available for you, and now, for a limited time, at a discount, you can go to the KPD, uh, KPDQ Listener Savings page and save up to 40% on top Christian schools in the Portland area, including schools that um, are in your area. So visit listenersavings.com right now and save. That's listenersavings.com. Well, as I mentioned before the break, my husband, Daniel Michael Christopher Rice, uh, in an effort to try to uh, build morale among his uh, co-workers, sends out what he refers to as the um, the cheer note, and it encourages them to be kind to one another, to be patient with one another. It's uh, his way of inserting uh, principles that come from a forbidden book uh, into an atmosphere that is somewhat tense these days. And uh, one of the uh, uh, cheer notes that he sent back in April um, had to do with the rules for the blues. And I have to admit, when I read it, I just laughed out loud. Um, He was lamenting what he called his sojourn in territories that he hasn't traversed since the 90s, um, that he thought he might be uplifting for everyone's morale to review the rules of the blues. And so that's what he sent them, and I wanted to share them with you, just in case uh, you find yourself in a position where you need to to sing them. Number one. Oh, how I wish I'd brought my harmonica today. (laughs) Oh. I wish you had too. Yeah. Could you run home and grab that? No. 
Okay. Most blues begin with woke up this morning. I got a good woman is a bad way to begin the blues, lest you uh, stick something nasty in the next line, like I got a good woman with the meanest face in town. So don't start with I got a good woman. (laughs) The blues is simple. After you get the first line right, repeat it. Then find something that rhymes, sort of like... Got a good woman with the meanest face in town. Yes, I got a good woman with the meanest face in town. Got teeth like Margaret Thatcher, and she weighs five hundred pounds. So that's you kind of. That's how you build. You build the the blues. Now the blues is not about choice. Um, you're stuck in a ditch. You're stuck in a ditch. Ain't no way out. So there's there's just no choice. You can't call on your cell phone and get help. That's not the blues. So the blues is not about choice. You're stuck in a ditch and you can't get out. Okay, blues cars. There's Chevys, Fords, Cadillacs, and broken down trucks. Now, blues don't travel in Volvos, BMWs, or sports utility vehicles. Most blues transportation is a Greyhound bus or a southbound train. Jet aircraft and company motor pools just ain't in the running. Uh, Walking plays a major (laughs) part in the blues lifestyle. So does fixing to die. So those are the things you want to include. (laughs) Wow. It's really ridiculous without a harmonica, a real one. Teenagers can't sing the blues. It's just a matter of fact. They ain't fixing to die yet. Adults sing the blues. Now, in the blues, adulthood means being old enough to get the electric chair if you shoot a man in Memphis. And Memphis is a good place to uh, to focus on in the blues. Now, blues can take place in New York City, but not in Hawaii or any place in Canada. <laughs> or any place sunny. <laughs> no. Hard times in Minneapolis or Seattle or is probably just clinical depression. Chicago, St. Louis, uh, Kansas City are still the best places to have the blues. You cannot have the blues in any place that uh, don't get no rain. A man with male pattern baldness ain't the blues. A woman with male pattern baldness, well, that's the blues. Breaking your leg because you were a skiing is not the blues. Breaking your leg because an alligator be chomping on it, that's the blues. <laughs> Can't be having no blues in an office or a shopping mall. It just doesn't fit. Uh, lightning, uh, the lighting there is wrong. So go outside to the parking lot or sit by the dumpster. That's a much better place for the blues. Here's some good places for the blues. The highway, the jailhouse, mm. an empty bed, the bottom of a whiskey glass. The bad place for the blues. Nordstrom's. Yeah. An art gallery opening. Ivy League institution. Or a golf course. Now, nobody's going to believe you have the blues if you're wearing a suit. Um, unless you happen to be uh, old and you slept in that suit. Now, you have the right to sing the blues if you're older than dirt, you're blind, (laughs) you shot a man in Memphis, and you can't be satisfied. (laughs) You (laughs) You don't have the right to sing the blues if you have all your teeth, you were once blind, but now you see. The man in Memphis lived, and you have a pension fund. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm running out of instruments. Are we almost done? <laughs> we got a little ways to go, oh, so work boy. on it. Blues is not a matter of color. It's a matter of bad luck. Tiger Woods cannot sing the blues. Sonny Liston could sing the blues. Google him, young people. You'll figure it out. <laughs> Ugly people also um, got a leg up on the blues. If you ask for water... And your darling uh, gives you gasoline. That's the blues. 
Bon, wow, wow, wow. Um, the following are not blues beverages. Perrier, Chardonnay, Snapple, or Slim Fast? Slim Fast ain't giving me the blues. Wow. Uh, acceptable beverages for the blues are muddy water, nasty black coffee, and cheap uh, any adult beverage. Nasty black coffee, it gives me the blues. We're getting quite creative. Yeah, well. Um, if death occurs in a cheap motel or a shotgun shack, <laughs> it's a blues death. Stabbed in the back by a jealous lover is another blues way to die. So is the electric chair, substance abuse, dying lonely, and a broke-down cot. You can't have the blues death if you die during a tennis match or while you're getting liposuction. <laughs> Now, some blues names for women, Sadie, Big Mama, Bessie, Fat River Dumpling. Fat River (laughs) Dumpling. (laughs) 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 Now, some blues names for men, Joe, Willie, Little Willie, and Big Willie. Fat River Dumpling, she's mine. Bow, wow, wow, wow. Persons with names like Michelle, Amber, Debbie, and Heather can't sing the blues no matter how many men they shoot in Memphis. April and Emily ain't blues names. Blah, 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 blah. Now here's a make-your-own-blues-name starter kit. Now start with the name of a physical infirmity, blind, cripple, lame. Then pick a first name, uh, see names above, or skip the first name and pick the name of a fruit. Um, lemon, lime, melon, kiwi. Well, maybe not kiwi. Pick the last name of a president, Jefferson, Johnson, Fillmore, etc. For example, blind lime Jefferson, jack leg lemon Johnson, or cripple kiwi Fillmore. Well, maybe not kiwi. Blind pineapple Kennedy, blah, 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 blah. And I don't care how tragic your life is, if you own a computer, if you're even on a computer, you really can't sing the blues. Wow, 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 wow. The end. Oh, thankfully. <laughs> I was very impressed. You were quite creative. Well, I'm trying. I just didn't know how long that was going to go on. <laughs> well, I have to admit, when he sent this to me, he always sends me his cheer note. Um, I sat at my desk and just laughed out that loud. That is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. There's just certain names that just... <laughs> they Fat <can't>, River Dumplin'. <laughs> that cannot sing the blues. I love yeah. the idea of their beverages that uh, yeah, yeah. you can't sing about Perrier or Chardonnay. Uh, but muddy water and dirty black coffee and that sort of thing. Dirty black Michelle, coffee. Amber, Debbie, Heather, not blues names. Yeah. Anyway, just kind of a fun thing. Hey, did you hear about the fact that uh, Macy's Portland Downtown Holiday Parade is no more? I did not. Yeah, they're going to, uh, they're closing their downtown store, and so they're not going to oh, do the parade that's right. any longer. We'll talk more about that in just a few moments. Also, there's an opportunity to uh, uh, stomp out hunger here in the Portland metro area and in southwest Washington. We'll explain how that drive is taking place throughout the metro area. So you'll want to stick around for details on that. And take a few moments and go through your pantry and find some stuff. You know, I have two cans of this. Let's put one in a bag. And your letter carriers are going to come around and pick those up. But we'll tell you more about that a bit uh, later in our next segment. Bah, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, we're, we're done with that. Okay. You're kind of giving me the blues. Are you done? Do you, do you have a blues name? No. Georgine doesn't really. Georgine. Bah, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Uh, Lim- Georgine Lemon Fillmore. No. 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 It's not really working. No, that sounds too fancy. Yeah, we'll take a break. Too fancy for the blues. Muddy water Georgine. Oh, I like that. <laughs> we'll be back.
You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we are back 35 minutes after 5 o'clock. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show featuring Clark Hilton. <laughs> the blues man <laughs> from Wilsonville, where they don't have the blues. <laughs> no, you can't be from Wilsonville <laughs> and sing the blues. It just doesn't fit. Hey, I want to uh, remind you that Interstate 5 northbound is going to be closed for the final weekend of work on the underside oh, of the Broadway yeah. Bridge. It uh, The closure extends between the Markham and the Fremont Bridges, starts at 10 p.m. tonight. Uh, until as late as 4.30 a.m. on Monday morning. Uh, that's May the 15th. The Oregon Department of Transportation is also um, uh, completing paving and bridge repairs on I-5 between the Broadway and Fremont bridges 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Saturday, May the 13th. And I-5 will open north of Broadway after 6 p.m. on Saturday. Can you keep all that straight? Travelers on I-5 northbound will take Interstate 405 um, uh, to Fremont Bridge to rejoin I-5 northbound, and uh, the I-5 northbound on-ramps to Broadway, North Williams, will be blocked. So use going or Alberta streets. And as in the past weekend closures, travelers should expect congestion and delays, and boy, it can get pretty tough. I've been caught in it uh, on several of these weekends. Consider alternate routes, including surface streets and I-205 northbound to reach areas in Clark County and uh, beyond. If you can avoid the area, it will be in your best interest. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, that's going on. Uh, this is the final weekend to work in this particular area. So uh, make note of that. Well, as I mentioned, uh, Macy's has pulled its sponsorship of the downtown parade that's been part of the Portland holiday season for three decades. On Monday, they announced that it would uh, no longer sponsor the My Macy's Holiday Parade, which uh, was started back in 1987 by Meyer and Frank a Portland department store chain that was based here in Portland years ago. Macy's took it over in 2006 after its parent company acquired Meyer and Frank. In November, they disclosed plans to sell the downtown store, the $54 million deal uh, with KBS, which is a California real estate investment group, didn't affect the upper floors of the building, which are owned by um, Pebblebrook Hotel Trust and include the Nines Hotel, the Urban Farmer mm. Steakhouse, and the department uh, restaurant and la- or the departure restaurant and lounge. So that won't change, but the department store, the retail uh, part of it will. Well, the downtown store was shuttered in April after a week's-long clearance sale. It was part of the company-wide retrenchment that the company said uh, would close 68 locations and affect 3,900 associates in 2017. A handful of Macy's stores uh, remain in the metro area. Lloyd Center, there's still a Macy's. Uh, that's in Northeast Portland, Clackamas Town Center in Happy Valley, and Washington Square in Tigard. But the downtown store, as we have known it, as either Meyer and Frank or Macy's, is no more. Macy's also plans to close its Salem store in Lancaster Mall as uh, its lease expires early next year. We know the parade was cherished by Portlanders, uh, Macy said in a statement on Monday, and Macy's is grateful to have been able to carry on the tradition for 11 magical years while a part of the downtown Portland uh, community. Uh, when asked if the parade would continue in any capacity in 2017 and beyond, a Macy spokesperson said, to our knowledge, there are no future plans for a holiday parade in downtown Portland. Well, in March, Macy's announced that it would uh, donate pieces from its classic Santa Land to the Oregon Historical Society. I remember when I was a kid going to Santa Land and Meyer and Frank always had just amazing window displays, which mm-hmm. are sort of a thing of the past. But the mechanical uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the, uh, let's see, animatronic elves and uh, other items 
will be put on display by the Oregon Historical Society Museum during the holiday season. So if you want to uh, have a bit of nostalgia and see them, you can find them there. For generations of kids, downtown Portland was the place to... uh, uh, to put in the direct appeal to Santa every year. In 2014, Macy's ended its sponsorship of the downtown holiday par- parade in uh, Pittsburgh. And unlike Portland, the Cincinnati-based retailer didn't coordinate that event, and it continued with other sponsors. That's not happening here, apparently. Uh, the retailer will continue to produce the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York City and its holiday parade in Seattle. But Portland? Nope, not, uh, not so That's much. it. That's it. We're done. Now, lots of you probably received a little uh, postcard in the mail. Fill a bag, help feed families, place healthy, non-perishable food donations near your mailbox. Donations stay in your community. And then it had a, a picture of a letter carrier, a bag. And the date's uh, Saturday, May the 13th, 2017. Help us stamp out hunger, spread the word. Well, this uh, Saturday, letter carriers all around the Portland metro area and in southwest Washington are giving us an opportunity to help feed hungry Oregonians and southwest Washingtonians. Um, uh, We have some of the um, highest rates of hunger in the nation, we are told, but it's easy to help neighbors in need thanks to what is the Uh, become the annual Stamp Out Hunger food drive. It returns for its 25th year this Saturday. And during the drive, members of the National Association of Letter Carriers pick up donated food uh, that's been left next to mailboxes. So all you need to do is set it out, and they will come and pick it up. It's the largest single-day food drive in the state of Oregon, and I imagine for southwest Washington or Clark County as well. Last year, one million pounds of food was donated to the Oregon and Clark County, Washington, um, this year's goal is 1.2 million pounds of donations. Now, if you were involved last year, you know what to do. If you weren't, uh, you can help to contribute to that 0.2 million pounds of donated food items that they're hoping to reach this year. Um, uh, pinching in is easy. Many letter carriers are going to deliver bright yellow grocery bags this week. I know I saw one on my table uh, when I got home uh, last night. With regular mail delivery, you may have received one. To pitch in, fill that bag or your own grocery bag. So if you didn't get one, that doesn't mean you're not included. But fill it with non-perishable food items and place it next to the mailbox before regular delivery time on Saturday. Now, letter carriers are going to bring donations to the Oregon Food Bank for local distribution. So it stays right in your respective communities. Uh, And if you miss the pickup on Saturday, you can drop off your donation at any post office before Wednesday, May the 17th. So they're making it very easy for us uh, to come alongside and help feed our neighbors. The most wanted items include canned meat like tuna, chicken, salmon, uh, canned and boxed uh, meals like soup, chili, macaroni and cheese, canned or dried beans, canned vegetables, nonfat dry milk, uh, peanut butter in plastic containers, avoid donating rusty or unlabeled cans, expired food, food in glass containers and perishable items. You know, this is food that you would eat, you're giving to your neighbors to eat, not what you don't want or what is uh, you know, languished in your pantry for years, and it's just a way of clearing it out. Uh, it's not a matter of convenience. We're actually uh, helping to feed people, our, you know, our neighbors in our community. So let's be generous and give them the stuff we like. Um, collected food bags will go to the Oregon Food Bank Network, which serves people who are hungry in Oregon and southwest Washington. So this is a great opportunity for all of us. The timing of the Stamp Out Hunger Drive is pretty key. Food banks and Pantries get the majority of their donations during Thanksgiving and Christmas holiday seasons, and that's when people are thinking about it. They're feeling generous. And many pantries are out of food by the time summer starts, and we're not thinking as much about it because the weather's nice. Uh, and that's just when the school year's over. It ends the breakfast and lunch programs for children in need. So many families find that they 
uh, are in need of, uh, of food more during this season than the rest of the year. So this might be the beginning of a practice for your household. Well, the Stamp Out Hunger Food Drive was created back in 93 by the National Association of Letter Carriers to encourage communities to come together in an effort to stock the shelves of food banks nationwide and to make us more aware of the challenge they face when families come and say, we need help, and there's nothing there to help them with. More than one billion pounds of food has been collected nationally since the drive's inception. So uh, this is our opportunity, and I would encourage you to gather up your stuff uh, now. And if if you have a safe area where animals are not likely to get at it, Uh, These are non-perishable items, so we're not talking about loaves of bread and things that would be easily gotten into. Either put it out very early tomorrow morning, or if you have a safe area, put it out tonight to make sure that uh, you don't miss the letter carriers who are coming to your door. And as I mentioned, if you fail to meet that deadline, you can uh, take it to your local post office before Wednesday, May the 17th. So appreciate the uh, letter carriers who are willing to serve in this way. And I know many of them are off-duty, so they're, they're volunteering their time uh, to make this happen. Did you get the uh, yellow bag at your house, the little plastic? Probably. Bag? I haven't gotten the mail yeah, for a few check days. The, check the mail. Anyway, I've participated in this for several years, and it is a good reminder because you do tend to forget. I was, um, I don't really want to admit it, but I was at McDonald's this morning getting my breakfast. I had a, a McMuffin with sausage and no egg and a frappe. And while I'm sitting there in the line in my car with the window down waiting to pay, Uh, A man approached my driver's side window that was down and sort of moved his way between the building and me, the car, uh, to ask for money. And he was clearly very disheveled, uh, was having a difficult time keeping some of his clothes on. And um, I ended up, you know, going through my uh, change purse. I didn't have any cash and giving him some change. But just reminded that, you know, there are people who are really hungry. He had more problems than just being hungry, but... There are people in our community who are really hungry, and if we don't respond in some way, and I'm not suggesting someone on the street is the best approach, but it just reminded me that um, there are hungry people in our community right in the neighborhood where I live, and so this is a an opportunity to be reminded, to help out, and then perhaps uh, to encourage us to be generous moving forward as well. So. All right, 46 minutes after 5 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back to let you know what's coming up next week on the program, so stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. Final segment of the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. Quick uh, overview of what's coming up next week, and then want to make a few comments about Mother's Day that's coming up this Sunday. On Monday, we're going to talk with Robert Hutchinson. He's the author of The Dawn of Christianity, How God Used Simple Fishermen, Soldiers, and Prostitutes to Transform the World. What? Well, if you've read the scriptures, you know that uh, we're a gallery of rogues and scoundrels, Um, and thankfully, we've been redeemed. Anyway, Robert Hutchinson's book, The Dawn of Christianity, On Tuesday, we'll talk with Jed Medifund. He's the author of Becoming Home, Adoption, Foster Care, and Mentoring, Living Out God's Heart for Orphans. And uh, on Thursday, Harold and Kimmy Otter, let's see, Otterly, I think is the right pronunciation. They are hosts, uh, they're Oasis hosts at Life Impact Ministries. And this is a ministry that is designed to provide respite uh, for those who serve in pastoral leadership. It's a place they can go Uh, to simply be and refresh and reflect and rest. So we're going to talk with them about this ministry uh, on Thursday and then on Friday. Well, who knows what happens on Friday. Today was a pretty big news day. We didn't break into the program to cover it, but 
Oh my, there's so much to talk about, to ponder, and certainly to pray about. Our country needs divine intervention. Well, tomorrow, no, not tomorrow, Sunday is Mother's Day. And uh, Clark, you got big plans for your wife, who happens to be a mother. Uh, we're actually having a barbecue over at her um, at her parents' house that my folks were invited to as well. Oh, that's so nice. That's a big family affair. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's always a challenge when you are honoring your mothers and then your wife is also a mother to try to get it all in, I, I suppose, is something of a challenge. Yeah, it's getting tied into our uh, wedding anniversary a little bit, too. Oh, my goodness. That's tomorrow. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thanks. How many years? Eleven. Eleven years. Mm-hmm. Wow. And she hasn't injured you or anything? No. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's... Not intentionally. <laughs> that's saying a lot. A lot of people don't make it to 11. So congratulations. Thank you. Really proud of you and uh, your lovely wife. Well, my mom, as uh, you probably already know, lives with my husband and me. She's 86 years old. She was uh, married to my father just shy of 50 years Uh, She's always lamented the fact that he passed away just before their 50th anniversary approach. They wanted to do a big deal, you know, for their 50th anniversary. Uh, But she was um, uh, obviously my mother, but she raised my sister, my brother and me. My brother drowned when I was 16 and we adopted my younger brother. So there have always been three of us at a time. She would have had three other children, but lost them. Uh, through miscarriage. So she has been a mom for a very long time. And one of the things I appreciate most about my mom is how much she enjoyed being a mother. Um, Despite how she might have felt at times, she always exhibited such joy in being a mother. And that was illustrated, I think, in the fact that many of our friends spent a lot of time at our house. It was kind of the place to go. She was very warm and welcoming. And uh, lots of our friends uh, knew her by name. Many of them call her mom. Uh, because she was kind of a mom in our neighborhood. And it's uh, it's going to be a real honor and joy to honor her uh, this Mother's Day. And we'll uh, we'll spend some time uh, focusing on just that. And want to encourage you to uh, to do the same as we have this one once a year opportunity to uh, bless our mothers. Um, oh, what's his name here? Uh, Tony Perkins in his Washington update um, made the point that just the sound of the word mother evokes a feeling of tenderness and reassurance in the minds of most, not all, not everyone has a wonderful mother, uh, but we are grateful for those of us who do. Even Jesus, when he was communicating his compassion for the people of Jerusalem, used the metaphor of a hen gathering her chicks under her wing to protect and shelter them. He saved the rooster, of course, for another occasion. In the age of political correctness, gender confusion, suggesting that women and men have distinct non-interchangeable roles is probably enough to get your picture posted in the nearest post office for crimes against the sensitive and easily offended. But while truth can be contradicted and denied, it cannot be changed. To be emotionally and physically healthy, children need mom and dad. It's not always possible. There are circumstances in which... Uh, A child is deprived of one or the other, but that is the optimum. Not just parents that are present, but a mom and a dad who are involved in their lives. Well, on Sunday, we'll celebrate motherhood. We're going to celebrate the women whose unconditional devotion to their children motivates them on a recurring basis to choose unparalleled self-sacrifice and causes them to remain devoted even in times of great suffering. Women like Christina Simos, who may never walk again because of her devotion to her young son. When their apartment was engulfed in flames, the 23-year-old, this is a very young woman, 23-year-old, did the only thing that came naturally. She saved her son. Without thought of her own safety, she cradled him uh, to her chest and jumped out of a window. She said she didn't think about it. All I could think about was getting him out safe. 
He mattered way more than I did, she said. Well, suffering from severe back injuries, she was interviewed a few years ago in the, in the hospital. Knowing her little boy was safe was the greatest Mother's Day present she could imagine. And like so many other mothers, she shrugged off her bravery. I don't think that I'm a special hero at all, she said. I'm just Cameron's mom. Christina said, it's that same kind of selfless sacrifice that defines moms all around the world. And the reason that they are being honored on this Mother's Day um, uh, weekend. So I hope you'll take some time to spend with your mother and not just uh, hang out in close proximity, but express some gratitude that will be meaningful for her. And I'm already working on some things I'd like to say to my mom that she can hold on to in the days ahead uh, to be reminded that the time she spent raising her children was um, of great value, uh, not only to me personally, but to the world. Uh, sometimes moms can feel like the, the time spent raising children could have been spent doing other, uh, other things, and yet I can't think of another occupation, if you will, of uh, greater value and greater impact than raising children. Of course, a mother and a father are engaged in that, but as we focus solely on mothers this month and fathers next month, I just want to emphasize to those of you who are mothering small children today, you're exhausted. You wonder whether or not you're ever going to get through it, if you're going to be successful at it, if the kids will ever grow up and be able to manage on their own. I just want to commend you for being faithful to feed your kids, to clothe them, to love them, to train them, to set an example for them. You are desperately needed in our culture. Uh, women who love their children well, and that can take a variety of, uh, uh, of uh, ways to do it. Um, the love means discipline as well as affection. So we want to just uh, commend moms, say happy Mother's Day to all of you, those who are still raising children in the home, those of you who are anticipating uh, being an empty nester in the near future, and those whose children have long left the nest, if you will, uh, and are looking back on a life spent uh, loving their kids uh, as a mom. So happy Mother's Day to to all of you. Barbecue, your house or Salem? Uh, down in Salem. Down yeah. in Salem. Well, that'll, mm-hmm. be, that'll be fun. Uh, want to um, mention, let me find this here really quickly. Uh, for those of you who are looking for a great opportunity to save a little coin in educating your kids, and uh, if you're looking for Christian education, I want to let you know that our listener savings school tuition discounts have been extended. Uh, that means you can go to listenersavings.com right now and you can save on some tuitions that remain there. So if you want to give your child a uh, rich Christ-centered education, we've got a list of wonderful schools. It's a great resource if you just want to know about some of the schools in our area uh, that have a Christ-centered focus. You'll find links to uh, many of them there and you can uh, click uh, find a geographic location or an emphasis that appeals to you and learn more about those schools. But you can also, as a KPDQ listener, save up to 40% on top Christian schools in the Portland area. So check that out. Uh, and I finally want to remind pastors that our annual Pastors Masters Golf Tournament is coming up this year, July the 24th. That's a Monday. That's kind of the Pastors Day off. Uh, this year we're going to be... Uh, uh, giving you an opportunity to golf at the beautiful Langdon Farms Golf Club in Aurora. It's just south of Wilsonville. And again, that's on Monday, July the 24th. So we're inviting all area pastors to our annual KPDQ Pastors Masters Golf Tournament. Uh, a full 18 holes of golf uh, will be followed by a delicious lunch. The cost to attend, just $20. Space is limited, so please register today at kpdq.com. And we'd love to... Uh, to entertain you and give you an opportunity to enjoy the fellowship of fellow pastors for the uh, from the Portland metro area. By the way, Clark, I'm still working on uh, you coming to join us. I just think that'd be very cool. 
since you've not had that opportunity yet, and I'm sure people would like uh, to meet you. So I'm working on it. I'll let you know if I'm successful. Uh, November the 1st through the 10th, we're giving you an opportunity to experience Israel with Genesis Tours and teaching pastor Sean Thornton. You can check that out at kpdq.com, keyword Israel. Well, we are out of time. I want to thank Clark Hilton for engineering today's program, James Blind for producing, and thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great weekend and happy Mother's Day. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at GRice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.